You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Listen, I know that we're living in some strange, strange times, and whether you're feeling the stress of not being able to see your loved ones or suddenly being a homeschool teacher for your kids or feeling the tension of your relationships or uh, experiencing you know, fear or sickness relating to the virus going around or the pressure of change and social unrest that's happening right now. There's a lot going on in the world and all of us can feel it. But I want this to be a message to you today that you are equipped to handle it. So often when we experience turbulent times in our lives individually, let alone as a society, we can feel overwhelmed. We can feel like we can't handle it. We can feel like it's too much. And this boils down to a a character trait called confidence. And the confidence that you can and will not just survive these times, but you'll be able to thrive in them. And so that's what I wanted to focus on today and to provide you with some real insight and some powerful messages and and strategies on how to cultivate confidence right now in a time when many of us need it more than ever. And so with that said, I think that you're really, really going to enjoy this episode and walk away with some tremendous value. And many of you probably know by now, I shared a little bit about this and I'll dedicate an entire episode to talking about this experience And I'm really working to provide some value throughout it to share the story. But the first week of 2020 for me, 2020 kicked off to a, I'm not going to say it was a fun start, but it was an eventful start. The first week of 2020, I suffered a, a traumatic injury and I was unable to walk. I was unable to dress myself. It was, it was bad business. And that experience has taught me so much already in in this amount of time. But it took several months of rehab. And I finally just about a month ago, maybe about a month and a half ago, got back to a place where I could start to work out. And it's something that has been such a part of my life since I was a teenager that, you know, that muscle memory kind of kicked right back in. I was able to do some of the things I was already doing prior. You know, I grabbed a pull-up bar and I was like, oh. This is, you know, knock out 15 pull-ups like it was breathing. But oh, the soreness. That's the thing, you know, because even though your body has that muscle memory, the, the, the strength and the tearing of the, you know, these micro tears of your muscle fibers and the healing, if you're not used to that feeling, I used to like, I was one with that feeling. Now, not so much. I, I posted a video on Instagram, you know, on my IG story. By the way, are you following me on Instagram? We get it popping on Instagram. I'm at Sean Model over there, so definitely check it out. But I posted a video of me. It was the first time I did any arm exercises this year. And right now, when this is coming out, this is July. It's July. Literally since 2019, I haven't done any like arm exercises. And so I picked up a couple 20-pound dumbbells. It was the first time I could pick up 20-pound dumbbells. I was like, I'm just gonna knock out a few sets of curls. So I did a little video sharing my story, like I'm doing, it was like three or four sets, little bitty 20s, no big deal. It wasn't the next day, it was the day after that. 
It's called domes, delayed onset muscle soreness. My arms felt like someone took them off my body while I was asleep and beat them against the wall and then reattached them to my body for when I woke up in the morning. It felt like my arms went through a bologna meat grinder. My arms were loose meat sandwiches. My arms felt like sore hamstrings. My arms felt like I had migraines in both of my biceps, all right? It was crazy. My arms felt like there was rioting and looting by little people inside of my arms and little fires. That's how my arms felt. But I'm grateful for it, even though even reaching out to, you know, pick something up was like, Ugh. I was grateful that I was able to do it. I know this is part of the process, and I know that we all have different stages and phases and seasons that we go through in life. And being able to have gratitude, even in the pain, being able to have gratitude, even when we're struggling, it's something very powerful for us to cultivate. And it's not always easy. I was not grateful through this entire process. There were moments that I would gladly kick grateful in the jugular, all right? But it's something that you, you, know, you cultivate, you train yourself for it. As I've said on the show recently, you don't rise to the level of your expectations, you fall to the level of your training. And no matter where you are with that, uh, with what you've kind of, you know, the foundation that you've created, you're always going to find that when difficult times hit, your level, your foundation is going to be right there for you. You're not going to go much lower than that. So uh, again, it's just another practice. And this is why this episode today is so important and so powerful is to create a stronger foundation of confidence to be able to perform, to be able to not just survive, not just overcome, but to thrive even during times of great challenge. And before we get into that, we also have to keep in mind, all this whole experience of confidence starts from our mindset, starts from our brain and being able to fire on all cylinders. And as you know, we always have a, a nutritional component, whether it's through the nutrition that we bring in, whether it's through nutritious movement, nutritious sleep, nutritious relationships, but the things that we engage in, our environment, the things that we bring into our bodies help to create the very cells that do all of these amazing things, the very cells that create all of these seemingly magical processes of experiencing life. And I don't think a lot of people actually realize the huge wave that's taking place right now in the field of nootropics, right? It's these specific nutrients and or foods, herbs, supplements. And it's this category of these things that really help to optimize mental performance. And I also don't think because a lot of people are looking in the field of like smart drugs. They, they go there with the nootropics and not understanding that even a lot of those things are based on real foods or based on things that have been utilized for thousands of years. And they're extracting, you know, like a small component of that thing and not extracting and getting all of the incredible cofactors that do other cool things. So I want to share this with you. And this was published in the peer-reviewed journal, Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Something that you might even have in your cabinet right now. It might not even be the best, but you might have some of it. And the better quality, the better, better this effect. I'm going to tell you about that. Raw honey actually possesses significant nootropic effects 
such as memory-enhancing effects, as well as neuropharmacological activities, such as being an anti-anxiety, helping to buffer your brain from anxiety, and also antidepressant as well. So helping to lift your mood, right? You, heard, you know the statement, the bee's knees, this is the bee's knees, maybe it came from something. And also the polyphenols that are found in honey were found to have direct influence on neuroinflammation, being able to reduce inflammation in the brain. Thank you, honey. Honey polyphenols were also found to improve memory deficits and act directly at a molecular level in the brain. Pretty cool. Now, the thing is, you don't want to get honey. That's number one, not raw honey, because the, the, the processing and, and cooking of the honey, you lose a lot of these factors. But also, you want to avoid getting honey that has a lot of the typical things that are found in honeys, conventional honeys, even some organic brands. Most people don't realize that there can be up to 70 different pesticide residues found in conventional honeys, including DDT, including uh, heavy metals as well, like arsenic, lead, mercury, E. coli might show up in your, what you consider, this is your medicine cabinet. You know, honey has this very powerful medicinal effect and also nootropic benefits as well. You want to avoid this stuff. And where I get my honey, I get a superfood honey. And they also have an awesome hemp honey as well at Beekeepers Naturals. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R naturals.com forward slash model. You get 15% off everything they carry. I love their bee pollen. I love their bee elixir specific nootropic product. I love, freaking love their honeys. So game changing, so delicious. And their bee elixir, the specific nootropic product that they have, listen to this, it's based on royal jelly. Right, this is what the queen bee eats. This, this is what the Beyonce of the bees eats. It's the royal jelly. And this was published in Advanced Biomedical Research. Found that royal jelly has a potential to improve spatial learning, attention, and memory function. In addition, it's been found to have antimicrobial, anti-tumor, and anti-inflammatory effects. And royal jelly has been found to facilitate the differentiation of all types of brain cells. And to top it off, researchers in Japan recently discovered that royal jelly has the power to stimulate neurogenesis in the hippocampus, the memory center of the brain. Bees knees. It's the bees knees. All right, go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals dot com forward slash model for 15 percent off everything they carry and now let's get to the apple podcast review of the week another five-star review titled five stars just for the latest COVID episode by nappy12458 thank you sean finally someone speaking some empowerment and just plain common sense to this madness first time listener but you gained a subscriber just from this episode alone Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you found me. And guys, this is why it's so important. Please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. I appreciate it so very much. And we're just going to keep this common sense and keep this momentum going to help to uplevel the conversation. Because even within the context of confidence, being able to confidently uh, make decisions, being able to confidently come into a situation to learn. Because confidence does not mean that you know it all. Confidence means that 
I have the capacity to be a student and still carry an essence of self-sovereignty and self-respect. And to understand that I inherently have value and I'm on this human journey to be the best possible me. And with that said, let's go ahead and jump into this incredible compilation in insights, strategies, and actual tools to help you to cultivate and to build more confidence. We're gonna kick things off with one of my favorite people, Ed Milet. This episode is one of my all-time favorites, and man, he just delivered gym after gym after gym. And we're going to put all the full episodes for you in the show notes, and you're definitely going to want to listen or even re-listen to this episode with Ed Milet. Ed Milet is one of the leading voices in personal development today, and he's actually been in the field for many, many years behind the scenes, and now he's really kind of emerged as one of the top voices. And I'll tell you right now, firsthand, you know, spending time with him, talking with him, you know, having conversations, texting and keeping up with each other. He's just a good person. You know, so often we have that kind of Scrooge McDuck mentality, Cruella DeVille mentality about people who've accumulated success, that they're selfish, that they're bad people. Like we get this faulty program. Of course, we know in our hearts that it's not always the case, but he's somebody through and through who has devoted his life to sharing everything he knows to help people to achieve the same levels of success that he has. And he lives a code of gratitude. Uh, he understands that wealth isn't just financial. It's also with your health. It's also with relationships. It's also with having a sense of purpose. And this is why I really, really love Ed Milet. And in this clip, he's going to be talking about where confidence actually comes from and the power of identity. So let's jump into this clip with the incredible Ed Milet. I grew up not a very self-confident person. And so you have to have high self-confidence. Any world-class athlete, you and I both know, their self-confidence level is through the roof. And when they go in a slump, when they're not performing well, what's going on? They've lost their confidence. They haven't lost their ability to shoot or hit a ball or hit a golf ball. They've lost their confidence. They've lost their swag. So where's confidence come from? Like I knew I had to become more confident. Confidence comes from this because the disease of lack of confidence is you're obsessed with everybody else thinks about you. What are they going to think? What are they going to think? What are they going to think? That's the, that's the symptom. The disease is you're worried about your reputation with everybody else because you don't have a good one with you. If your reputation with self is exemplary, you're not concerned about your reputation with others. So self-confidence comes from one simple thing. It comes from keeping the promises you make to yourself. That's it. If you begin to consistently keep the promises you make to you, you will begin to stack upon that self-confidence. And so I set up my life where I started to keep promises I made to me, whether that was what time I got up in the morning, what I put in my mouth to eat, when I trained and worked out. I can't control outcomes, but I can control activity. So in my business life, I'm gonna make 15 phone calls today. I'd make my 15 and I'd be conscious of saying, I did what I said I was gonna do. I did what I said I was gonna do. And through that process over a period of time, every day, every hour that went by, I kept keeping more and more promises to me. I began to trust me. My self-confidence level transformed. That was number one. Second thing was my identity. You'll never exceed in your life what you think you're worth. Everyone talks about this, but you'll never exceed your identity any time in your life. And your identity is your self-worth, what you believe you deserve. Okay, now, self-worth and identity is like a thermostat. It sits on the wall of your life. It sets the entire temperature for your life. So in every area, you have a spiritual thermostat, a financial, a business, a physical one, a wellness one. So if that thermostat is set, at, let's say financially, 
at 80 degrees, it's set at 80 degrees, no matter what you do, you've already experienced it. If you start to heat your life up, you start having abundance come into it, and you're doing, th you're doing activities that are better, but you haven't changed your identity, you will find a way to cool your life right back down to where your identity is eventually. You'll make a bad investment decision, a car will break down, it'll all seem unconscious, but you will get back to 80 degrees of money. Okay, the reverse is also true. You start to go broke, your car gets repoed, the water gets turned off, you find a way to heat it back up and get it back to 80 degrees again. So the key in life is to have self-confidence and change that thermostat level of what you think you're worth. You could be in the best business model with the best opportunity, the best products, the best everything, and you will not exceed 80 degrees of identity if that's your identity in your life. Happiness has an identity. Faith has an identity. And so the key thing is how do you shift that identity, right? And that identity then is shifted through a couple things, but the biggest one is associations biggest way we change your identity if let's say you hung around a guy worth a couple hundred million dollars if you're if I'm a hundred and fifty degree or financially and you're an 80 degree or through proximity over time I will heat you up somewhere in between the two of us and if your faith if you have no you know you struggle with your faith or your relationships but you surround yourself with people that have great faith or great marriages through association yours improve so the biggest way I change my identity is through who I hung around hanging around lastly is also I don't have to physically be around you I can read your book. I can read a book from you on health, on sleep. And when I read that book, I'm not just reading pages, I'm pretending as if I'm with you. I'm associating with you. And so a lot of my identity shifts came from books I read and things I listened to and people that were live in my life at the same time. That's how I changed it. All right, up next in our confidence compilation is one of the goats. And I don't say that lightly. Next up is a clip from a conversation that I had with world champion Layla Ali. She had all the belts she went for, undefeated boxing record. And many people know her and know that last name because her father, GOAT, greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. And in this clip, she's gonna be sharing with you. And by the way, she's also a best-selling author. She's also a, a true foodie and somebody's created some delicious recipe books as well but she's gonna be sharing the bare bones essentials of building confidence from someone, again, who's been around and infused with confidence from the moment that she was born. So she's gonna talk about failure as well, getting the right feedback and more. So check out this clip from the one and only Layla Ali. I think that, you know, confidence definitely is something that um, you can grow with time, with, with, um, you know, practice, because a lot of people aren't confident, but my confidence comes from preparation. I say that all the time. I'm not just one of these people. I'm naturally a confident person. I do believe in general that I can pretty much do the things that I want to do, but I also believe you have to put in the effort. You know, um, for me, if I'm not prepared, then I'm not going to be confident. I'm not confident about 100% of the things that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, but the things that I want to put my heart into and my energy into and do the work that it takes to, to be good at and to be successful at, I am confident in. Um, and I think it takes courage. That's the thing, because you have to understand people who are successful, people who have fear the same way or self-doubt, it's not that they don't feel those things. It's just that we push past it. Like yeah. sometimes I'm afraid and I'm like, then I'm going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? And, and I just do it, you know, because what's the worst is going to happen for me. One thing that is a fear for me is to feel like I didn't try to do something that I never even stepped foot out the door to try. Yeah. You know, that would be that would be regretful for me. And that's what I don't want. So but I mean, I know how to 
I stay in my lane. I don't try everything. I know what things I'm not good at, you know what I mean? That, or just don't really fit me and I just won't do it because you can't do it all, you know. But, um, yeah, the things that I do, I go I go all the way in. I love that. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of a couple of things from Oprah. You know, she said that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And she also talked about why, you know, one of the big reasons she's so successful is I stay in my lane. I know my lane. But then here See? we are like, ah, Oprah doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Layla doesn't know. Let me jump around in these lanes. That's the thing. I mean, you have to try different things, but it's like you got to be methodical and strategic yeah. and kind of figure it out along the way. Like I've tried some things that, you know, just didn't end up working, but I, I will assess the situation soon enough and have people around me who are going to give me some insights some smart people around me as well, because sometimes you do need help. Sometimes you do need different opinions, you know, uh, from the right people. So yeah, but yeah, definitely not to just be all over the place. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, and for me, uh, this is the same thing. There's a, there's a figuring out process as well. Uh, but I believe as we cultivate more confidence and it just kind of comes together, like the confidence helps you to, make the right decision and the right decision helps to build your confidence, you know, and it just kind of feeds into each other and you just kind of build it. And I love that you brought up, you know, even today, you still have fear, you still have things that you're not necessarily confident about, but you get in the ring and you fight. And so we can all bring that to our own lives in one way or another to just get in there and do the thing because that's going to build that muscle of confidence. But then when you do fail at something and people don't like the word fail, or let's just say if it doesn't turn out the way you plan or the way that you hope, that's when you learn from the situation. I mean, that's what you do. And what people tend to do a lot of times is not really look at themselves and look at what they could have done differently. And I Mm. happen to, that's one of my strong points. I got a lot of things I need to work on. But one thing I'm good at is taking responsibility and saying, hmm, in any situation, what could I have done differently? You know, so that's that's how I learn as well from the things that just don't work out. So there's been a lot of successes and there's been a lot of things that haven't worked out along the way. So, and I've learned from them all. All right, we're going to keep our confidence compilation rolling right along. And next up is somebody who I consider family. He's somebody who's incredibly insightful, brilliant, giving, and just a true powerhouse. And he's helped to create probably the most recognizable brand in personal development in the world. His partner, Dr. Eric Thomas, is the number one motivational speaker in the world. And this clip coming from CJ Quinney is an absolute game changer. CJ has helped and put their company position to work with literally the biggest brands in the world. And just about, I mean, so many fields from, you know, university context to, uh, you know, Quicken Loans to your favorite NFL or NBA team. These guys are coming into the organization to give insights, tools, tactics, strategy, motivation, to some of the most motivated people in the world already because they are about that business and they're just super powerful and and, and incredible human beings. And in this clip, CJ is going to be talking about something that I think a lot of people think that the opposite of confidence is fear. And he's got a really important message for that specific thing that you really need to hear. So let's jump into this conversation with CJ Quinney. So I I think fear is, first and foremost, something that we all experience. Like fear, if anybody tells you they've never been fearful, they're absolutely lying. And so I I like to share this story because um, I I experienced fear 
on a daily basis, right? We all have these anxieties and these things. And so I tell the story of, um, I had never played football before until the ninth grade. And my dad kind of dragged me out of the bed in the ninth grade and was like, you're going to play football. And I was like, I don't want to play football. He was like, I don't care. And my dad was, he was the captain of the house. And so he called all the shots. And so I got my butt up on the football field and I went out there with all my ninth grade friends and I dominated, right? I was just a natural athlete. I was a basketball player at the time, but I was still strong enough to play football. So I played freshman football amongst all my peers and I dominated. And I got a call after uh, the, the, the school year was over in the summer from the head varsity coach. And he called me and he said, hey, CJ, we watched all your film from freshman year and you're coming up to play varsity. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, I don't know about that because I'm in the weight room with the varsity guys and these guys are throwing around you know, 350 pounds, 375 on the bench, you know, they're yelling, they're big, they're strong. And I remember feeling like, whoa, I'm going to get killed. And so all summer I'm working out trying to get on their level, but I see I'm not on their level. And so finally we get out to the practice field in the first few days, Sean, if anybody's ever played football, you don't pad up the first week. The first week is kind of just conditioning and you do like some fitting stuff and you run and you get your conditioning together. And then that second week is when you actually put on the pads, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, to, to put on the pads. We all get padded up. And I remember all the seniors and the juniors, I'm a sophomore now, are just talking crazy to me. Man, when we get out on that field, your little sophomore butt, we're going to smash you, stomp you. We're going to kick you in the ground. And I'm, I'm literally like, my, my hands are shaking. And so we lined up, and I was on scout team D, and we were playing against the first string offense. And I just remember getting in my three-point stance and putting my hand in the ground. And there were, I was playing against a guy named Biggie, and he, he earned his name. <laughs> he probably benched 400 pounds, probably six foot one. And I mean, he was a large human being. And he was talking crazy to me the whole way. They're like yelling in the huddle. And I got down, and I put my hand in the ground. And I remember saying, all right, Lord, it's either him or me. And I, I, they said, Hut, the quarterback had the ball, and I charged in there. And I hit him harder than probably to, even my rest of my career. Harder than I had ever hit anybody in my life. He flew back, kind of did a double backflip on the ground, and he had to sit out the rest of practice. And I tell people that because there's two types of people. There's the type of people like myself, Sean, and yourself who take that fear and we use it as adrenaline and we use it to wake up in the morning and we use it to do excellent podcasts and we use it to be excellent husbands and we use it to be excellent fathers and we just go after it beast mode because we, we, we're scared of the fear of failure. We're scared of what happens if, I, if I'm not a great husband? What happens if I'm not a great entrepreneur? What happens if I don't land any more contracts? Are they gonna take my house? We all have those things that we think about. Everybody has those fears. The difference is I get up and use that as a rocket booster to put on my back to go for it. Whereas some people go, oh my God, and they clam up and they don't wanna ever do anything. And guess what? When you don't do anything and you go that clam up route and you go into your shell and you don't you try anything or you don't try to be great or you don't try to pursue excellence, that very thing you're scared of becomes real. Mm. So I think having a fear, a healthy fear is absolutely a great thing. Mm. And that's the thing. I wanna tell every single person out there who hasn't achieved what they wanna achieve. Eric Thomas has fear. Sean Stevenson has fear. 
The only difference between you and them is they use that fear to push them. They wake up and that fit. That's what gets Eric Thomas up at three o'clock in the morning. The fear of having to tell his wife, hey, you got to go back to work, even though you've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I'm going to need you to go back to work for eight hours a day because we can't afford to have you home. You don't think he has a healthy fear of that? He absolutely does. But if you can use that fear to push you, right? You're not crazy for having fears. If, if somebody's told you that, oh, you're soft and you're a scaredy cat. No, 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 no. We all have them. Allow it to push you and not bury you. Mm, man, listen, I've never heard fear talked about in that context before. You know, well, healthy... you, you, here's the thing, Sean. You, if you, you, you know what I mean. Like we hear fear and it's almost like you look at an Eric Thomas, and you go, man, if I had his level of, you know, ha, and I just had his level of beast mode, yeah. man, I would be on fire. And if I had, you know, Sean's, you know, don't care attitude, I'm going for it. Listen, man, people are going to judge you. People are going to say your podcast stinks. We actually have a segment on our podcast called The Negative Feedback where I read all the <laughs> reviews of people telling me they can't stand my guts. They wish I would stop talking about my kids. Your whole family's ugly. Guess what? I just embrace it. I'm, I, I'm no longer going to live my life based on what people think or the fear of what if I put it out and people don't like it? What if I go after this contract and I don't get it? What if I go after that promotion and they say no? Guess what? The de facto answer is already no. I had a friend, Sean, who we were at the bar one time and I told him to go talk to this young lady because, you know, they were kind of catching eyes. And he said, uh, man, you know, I don't want to go up to her. What if she says no? And I said, man, you got to go after it. She's there. I don't see a ring on her finger. Go for it. And he said to me, I get it. It's like high risk, high reward. And I said, no, 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 no. Not, a, not at all. I said, it's only high reward. And I said, there is no risk. You already don't have her phone number. So if you walk <laughs> away and she throws a drink at you, you walk away without her number, you still don't have it. There's absolutely no risk. But in our mind, we create this fake monster under the bed. My son's four years old, so we've been dealing with this monster thing. I have to get up and show him that it's not under the bed. And sometimes as grown people and as adults, we have this fear or this monster under our bed that doesn't exist. I told my friend, you already don't have the young lady's number. If we leave right now, you'll never have it. The only thing that could come out of it worse or better than where you are right now is her saying yes and giving her your phone number. You literally have nothing to lose. And so when you operate with that healthy fear and you just go after it and say, hey, I've got nothing to lose. I would rather go out there and give my full effort and lose then sit back and wonder what would it, what would have happened if I gave it my all. And so I think fear kind of gets talked about in this negative light. And people are like, don't let the fear, what, don't have any fear, don't be fearless. No, no, no. Have fear. Use the fear, though. All right. So yeah. I, I just I, I like to break it down like that, because I think, Sean, we do people a disservice when we act like, oh, I don't have any fear. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I started a company off a YouTube channel. No fear. I just thought it would, I knew it was going to work. I, I guarantee we were going to build a multi-million dollar company. Absolutely not. I was scared out of my mind. I woke up every day, but guess what? That's what allowed me to work 14, 15 hour days. That's what allowed me to make that phone call when, you know, the person already told me no. That's what allowed me to call them back a week later and go, are you sure? And a week later and go, are you sure? Because I had that fear of, if I don't make this happen, this, you know, ultimately I'll have to go back and maybe live in my mom's basement. I don't, <laughs> I'm scared of that. And so I use that fear to push me every day, Sean. Next up, we have a message from somebody that I met at an event many years ago that we were both speaking at. And she is just a, a true powerhouse and her story is incredible. And she's a best-selling author and she created one of the most popular food blogs on the planet. And 
In this clip, she's going to be sharing a really powerful insight about the connection between getting physically stronger and building confidence. And again, her story is remarkable. She began as an athlete in something I didn't even know was a sport. Competitive mountain biking. All right. And she felt like she never really, you know, looked the part. She did all of this endurance exercise, but she she was thick. She had them thick thighs that do in fact save lives. But that definition that she thought that she was programmed with of being, you know, exceptionally thin and her not having that image led to just a constant battle. And eventually she had some major breakthroughs in her thinking. She embraced her strength. And she's dedicated her life to really helping men and women all over the world to get stronger because that physical strength shows up as confidence and mental strength. So let's dive into this awesome clip from the amazing Steph Godro. I mean, anybody who's lifted weights knows that there's something primal in your brain that just gets triggered on. And I'm, you know, endurance or, or cardio is fine. Um, hit is fine. I really think that all those things have their place and you have to think about in what doses am I going to do them? And it's not for everybody. But with, you know, when I started to lift weights, there was this part of my brain that thought, can I, can I do that? You know, I'd look at a barbell and think, can I, am I going to be able to lift that? And then you go up to the bar and you lift it and you think, Okay, what else can I do, right? For a lot of women, a pull-up yeah. mm -hmm. is like the thing because typically the narrative that we have absorbed is that we're not strong enough. We're not strong enough to do a pull-up. We're not strong enough to climb a rope. I remember the first time I climbed a rope, I was like, whoa. And I had the opportunity to go to the Bud's obstacle course. I live in San Diego uh, with a couple of friends of mine who were in the Navy. Mm -hmm. So that's like Navy SEAL training. It right? is. It is the Navy SEAL Bud's O course and everything it's like uh, it's like an O course on steroids everything's bigger taller longer and I was probably a couple years into CrossFit at the time and I did every single obstacle except for one it took me a long time I wasn't racing the clock but I just thought I, I couldn't have done this a couple years ago and that feeling of being able to move my body and being having that autonomy having that agency of being able to move through space and be able to lift myself onto a platform or climb a rope or lift something heavy and move it, that independence, that feeling that comes with that mm -hmm. was such a sense of freedom and also a catalyst for, again, thinking, what else can I do? Like, I just proved myself wrong. That's pretty cool. I just shattered all these preconceived notions that I had about myself. And we are so much more than just a body, right. but yet our body right. is, it's, it's precious to us. It carries us around. It helps us do all these different things. So when I started to be able to move and I felt more confident, then it was time to, and, and all this stuff happened over the course of a couple of years, but I started to really challenge my own negative self-talk. All right. I hope that you're enjoying this confidence compilation. And again, keep in mind that a big part of having confidence is having our brains and our bodies firing on all cylinders. Our nutrition matters. Our brain, our brain cells, the thoughts that we think, you know, this incredible uh, electrical, electromagnetic 
uh, energy flowing through our veins, you know, even moving our bodies, we create a form of electricity called piezoelectricity. But all of this stuff, the basis of every cell, every organ, every organ system in our body is the food that we eat. And nutrition is of the utmost importance today. I mean, seriously, like never before. We want the basis of our diets to be real food. What a concept, just whole real foods. And also bringing in real whole food-based supplements, things that come from real, that have clinical evidence to back up their efficacy to meet our nutritional gaps, right? So for many people, they think about you know, this quote multivitamin, which is generally the synthetic soup of nutrients that don't have the cofactors that actually make your body utilize it effectively. And for me, again, I'm a big fan of whole food-based superfood concentrates. And the number one that I feel every single person needs to have access to is a green superfood concentrate. And the one that I utilize and that my family utilizes is from Organifi. And the main ingredients in their Organifi green juice product is spirulina, which is 71% protein by weight, one of the most dense superfoods ever discovered, rich in everything from magnesium to phycocyanin, which is a rare nutrient that gives it, you know, this kind of this blue-green pigment and has been found in clinical trials to actually stimulate stem cell genesis. It's also been found to have neuroprotective factors as well, reducing neuroinflammation in the brain. And just the list goes on and on. So a small category of things that can do that. Also, a concentrate of wheatgrass, a concentrate of chlorella, a concentrate of moringa, the list goes on and on. These are real superfoods with clinical evidence to back them up. And also, it's one of the ingredients is ashwagandha, which is clinically proven to help to reduce anxiety and help to buffer stress. So just a big fan. Oh, by the, it tastes good. At the end of the day, this is important. If your kids are going to drink it, even if you, why do we got to like grin and bear it? Like, you know, I remember that, you know, sometimes my wife would come with me, we'd go get a wheatgrass shot. And man, like after a couple of those, I couldn't even, if somebody was mowing their lawn and I was just walking by, I mean, like I had to turn around and walk back another direction. Like it started to bother me, you know, but for some people, it might be your bag. No disrespect at all. Like, those that fresh wheatgrass shots can can be a you know can be a super energizer, but this actually tastes good. So it's an easier on ramp for so many people, and we're delivering a lot of those nutrients that you'll find in a wheatgrass shot. You know because again, this is a whole food concentrate, low temperature process to retain the nutrition, plus all those other green superfoods like spirulina. So again, huge fan of Organifi Green Juice. Pop over there, check it out. You get twenty percent off, by the way, twenty percent off. The green juice formula, the red juice, gold, all the incredible products. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model for 20% off. All right, next up in our confidence compilation is another one of the goats. Somebody who's been in the space of personal development since many of us were in Le Dipes. All right, his name is Jack Canfield, and he's a co-author of The Chicken Soup for the Soul mega series they sold half a billion copies doesn't even make sense it doesn't make rational sense to the brain just have a huge impact on culture and also his work in personal development as far as the success principles books that he's written as well and you know his appearance in hit documentaries and things of that nature and him speaking all over the world it's just such a wealth of information and, and, and insight 
and, and giving. And in this clip, in our conversation, we talked about what he calls the poker chip theory of self-esteem, AKA self-confidence, that we all can gain some valuable insights from. So let's check out this clip from the one and only Jack Canfield. I teach something called the poker chip theory of self-esteem. And the idea of poker chips is if you and I were playing poker and I have 100 chips and you have 10, you'd probably play more cautiously. You lose two bets of five, you're out of the game. I lose two bets of five, I got 90 left. So I can throw it on five, no big deal. So if I can build up your stack of chips, you're more willing to risk because you now have extra chips. So the same is true with self-esteem. The more self-esteem and the more self-confidence, the more self-concept you have, the more willing you are to risk rejection because you know you're okay. And so basically, um, it's important to look at your past and realize you've had a lot of successes. Most people, if, you, if I said write down 10 great successes, most people go, God, have I had 10 great successes? But I said, how about getting a driver's license? You go, Oh yeah, when I was 16, that was huge. Now it doesn't seem so big. How about graduating high school? For a lot of kids, I was like, hey man, I'm lucky I got out of there. You know, The fact that you survived the war in Vietnam or the war in Iraq now or the war in Afghanistan to be more current. So the reality is that we all have numerous successes that we yeah. don't really acknowledge and yeah. we tend to focus on what's wrong with us rather than what's right with us. And you know from your research with brain that basically when I have an, an event and there's an emotional negative component to that event, it logs in as a way to protect me from having that in the future. So basically, I much more quickly remember my negative experiences than my positive experiences. And so what we want to do is I do things like write down 100 successes you've had in your life. And people have to strain like, well, they end up with stuff like past Mrs. Jones's biology class, past mm -hmm. fourth grade, past fifth grade, past sixth yeah. grade. But then they start to realize, you know, I bought that first car. I bought that first this. I, I, you know, put on that really good party for my boss. I put together that trip to the Andes for my friends, you know. And we have many, many more successes than we do failures. We just tend to focus on the failures. So we, it's, it's a way to get people to shift their focus to the positive things that, that they have had and to be grateful for them. Yeah. and to honor them. And even when negative things do happen, we've made it through, you know, if you're hearing you this have. right now. You have, I, I like to say in one of my books, you've survived everything that ever happened to you. Mm. So think about that, you've survived yeah. everything that ever happened to you, which gives you a lot of sense that I'm gonna survive the next things that happen to me, yeah. you know, because I, I'm a survivor. Continuing on with our confidence compilation, we have another one of my favorite human beings, Shalene Johnson. She's a New York Times bestselling author. And she also acquired the Guinness World Record for the most fitness DVDs sold and in people's libraries, in their homes, working out with them all over the world. And I know that DVDs are not as popping now. You know, we got digital, but she's created so many incredible programs that have had a positive impact on people's lives. And in this conversation, she's going to be sharing and talking about collecting evidence to help to build your confidence. And that's what this is really about at the end of the day is collecting specific evidence to help to build our psyche, to build our experience, to build our insights and to build our value, our, our self-worth and our self-perception of our value. So I'm excited to share this clip. This is one of, again, one of my favorite humans. So let's jump into this conversation and clip from New York Times bestselling author, Shalene Johnson. Well, I think we all know that we can do it. I think there's, a, for many people, it's a fear. 
of the worst case scenario that keeps us stuck. Mm. And when when we are avoiding doing certain things that would might otherwise create evidence, we don't do those things because we think, well, what if it's more evidence to support the fact that no one likes me? What mm. if it's more evidence to support the fact that I'll always be overweight or that I will be rejected? And I, one of the things I believe is paramount in building confidence, which leads to self-worth, right? A couple of things. Number one is when we do for others that you just, you can't not feel good about yourself when you're doing nice things for others, except when you're doing nice things for others to your detriment, right? Like that, that ain't cute, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, you're doing things for others, not because you want to be liked, but because it's right. It feels good. And, and, and it's part of who you are. And then the next piece is that you, you need more evidence. And the only way you're going to get evidence is by going out and collecting it and collecting evidence to the contrary. So for example, if in your mind, you think to yourself, when I meet people, they see me as socially awkward and I'm, you know, I, I'm not good in social settings. And so I am not going to parties. I am, I'm not going to social events. I'm not going to put myself out there because I'm judged and I don't like that feeling and people can tell I'm nervous and I'm shy. Well, you've got to create evidence to the contrary. And so you have to learn how to make other people feel more comfortable in that moment and just have brief little quick successes where you're going to the grocery store and you think to yourself, I'm going to have an interaction with a kid who's begging my groceries and I'm going to make him feel like a million bucks. I'm going to ask him just a couple of questions and I'm going to listen to what he says. And that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to notice that I just had an interaction with a stranger and they weren't thinking about me. They realized I was listening to them. So it's teaching people then to take note of that, write it down and say, you know, I know what the worst case scenario could be. And even if the worst case scenario happens, It's not going to kill me. I'll be better for it. Next up in our confidence compilation is somebody who's truly transformed her own confidence and her own self-esteem. And her name is Koya Webb. And she's an internationally recognized holistic health and wellness coach, author, best-selling author, and motivational speaker. And she is just an, I mean, superstar in the space of, of yoga and in the space of health and wellness. And in this conversation, she's going to be sharing another example of how we can unconsciously be looking for things that lower our confidence. And this time, specifically, she's going to be talking about regarding our bodies, our appearance, and our own value. So let's check out this conversation from the amazing Koya Webb. The number one judgment is us judging ourselves us judging ourselves as not worthy enough or not good enough. If we don't look like this, if we don't wear this, if we don't say this, if we don't have these accolades, we judge ourselves and say we're not good enough. And then we look at people outside of us and see how they are affirming our own self-judgment. But people don't, people like, oh, they're judging me. No, you're actually judging yourself. And now you're looking at people to affirm the judgment that you have on yourself. And I think if people realize that, they'll do the self-work to see like, what do I really feel about myself? And I will say, like, I have so many insecurities. Um, You know, it started with my hair and then, you know, the color of my skin. And then, you know, even being tall as a tall woman, you know, having all these things being different and um, having these self-judgments. And when you have that, you really have to heal those spaces else you're always going to find someone that's going to affirm exactly what you're thinking inside. And guess what? That's fear. And that's an opportunity 
for love. So you have to work with saying the affirmation, I am beautiful, I accept myself, you know, learning how to work with your hair, learning how beautiful your skin is, learning to fall in love with your height, whether you're short or tall or in between, whatever it is you have a challenge with, I know we all have challenges with something that we wanna change. And, but if you can fall in love with the person that you are, it's gonna help you pull out of that, you know? But if you kind of look around, it's just gonna keep reminding you of like, yeah, I affirm that. Yeah, you are tall. And for a girl, it, it, it has this, this, and hashtag tall girl problems, you know? And sometimes <laughs> we just kind of affirm, hashtag, you know, all these negative things. But I love, like now we're starting to say, you know, I am different, this is how I'm different, and this is beautiful. Different is beautiful. And the more that we can embrace our uniqueness, we all have unique gifts and talents, like you mentioned earlier. And if we can all realize that, look at all of nature. Nature is our most beautiful example. Everything in nature is different, but it works together to make a beautiful world. And if we can just realize we are all different and beautiful, and it takes our differences to make up this beautiful world, then we would stop trying to be someone else or do something. We would be inspired. Like, I'm sure the sun is inspired by the moon, the moon is inspired by the sun, but they shine at different times, you know? And we are just like the sun and the moon. We are meant to shine in the light, in the darkness, just shine and just be ourselves. All right, running the anchor in our confidence compilation is one of my favorite people. I know I've said that many times, but this is really one of my good friends. Uh, he really welcomed me and, and it kind of invited me, inspired me a little bit more to move to Los Angeles. He made the jump from the East Coast, maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, but he's like somebody who's a true, true pioneer and OG in the online fitness space. Like he was doing online programs and and products like I'm talking when the internet was first jumping off and he's coming out of New Jersey, awesome, awesome human being. And he always is bringing people together. That's one of the things he was, we were just texting yesterday and he's inviting me out to, to hang out and to do something, you know, with the awesome group of people. And again, just a great human being. He's done a lot of work on himself because he was also very, if we talk about confidence, he would tell you right out that he was the polar opposite of confident. And that's why he got into fitness. He thought he can exercise his way into confidence. And that, he found out that that was just one level. That was one level. It did make an impact. But for him to open up, to express himself, to communicate, and to connect, and to be the, the bringer together of people, the, the often the life of the party and the event, he's had to gain some other insights. And that's what he's going to be sharing with you here. Because as he's going to share, there's a close relationship between confidence and charisma, very, very close relationship. And I actually believe that the confidence that we show up with expresses itself in a form of charisma. And Jay Faruja is the person who studied charisma. He studied this charisma and confidence and learned some things that we all can utilize to develop more of these qualities in our lives. So check out this clip from my good, good friend, Jay Faruja. A German sociologist, Max Weber, has this definition that you can look up of charisma. And he talks about how if you have charisma, you're basically endowed with a super uh, superhuman uh, power and people will give you whatever you want. And the like, doors open for you when you have charisma. So if you look at anybody who's doing things at a high level, The Rock, Justin Timberlake, Jimmy Fallon, 
they have charisma. They're charismatic. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Bob Marley, whoever, you know what I mean? Um, but again, I saw myself as like, I'm the least charismatic person in the world. <laughs> but I didn't think that until I, I think it was really until I read that book and I was kind of on that journey of getting out of my comfort zone and doing improv. And I was like, man, what are, what are the behaviors? Again, being aware of these people, like what does Arnold do? What, what does The Rock do? What, what does Chris Rock do? And how could I start to incorporate more of that? And it does, it does change the game. And you can become more, more charismatic. It's just behaviors like anything else. Like, just like you can get better at, at playing basketball or whatever. You can get better at it. What's like one or two things that we could do to cultivate that charismatic spirit for ourselves? I think it really comes down to... So, so the self-help industry always tell, kind of gets you to think your way into acting differently. But I think if you act your way into thinking differently, it's more powerful. So that's why when I get up in the morning... I'm envisioning, okay, who's charismatic? How do I want to, like we use visualization for sports or whatever. Arnold talks about visualizing his biceps, his yeah. mountain peaks. Well, pick somebody. Again, I always go to, go to The Rock. I've been a wrestling fan. So I've, I've known The Rock since 96. I met him a bunch of times. So I say, okay, The Rock's a charismatic dude. And what would The Rock do? And now it's easier for me. It's more natural. But early on in this kind of progression, that's what I do. So I'm listening to this music. I'm visualizing who I want to be, how I want to enter the room. And what are... Just a few, because if you try to adopt all the rocks or Justin Timberlake's behaviors at once, it's going to fail. It's like anything else, like yeah. nutrition or training. Like if you try to do everything, it's going to fail. So what are one or two things I could do better today? Can I maybe speak with more confidence? Maybe have better body language? Can I give more compliments? Just pick a few things. And um, charisma is also about how you make the people feel around you. It's not just you're performing, right. like, you know, because then it's kind of a, a fake thing. But how you make people feel, all those things, I, I think you know, go a long way to, to, uh, to being more charismatic. All right, I hope that you enjoyed this confidence compilation and that this has given you some more fuel, some more insights to power your way through your day, through your week, and through the rest of this year. We've got some work to do, and we're going to have to remember how powerful we are at the end of the day to overcome the challenges that we're going to face ahead. And I just want to extend this out to you right now from my heart to yours that you are needed you are valuable and you have the capacity within you for greatness. And we need you to, to step into your gifts and also to remember that we're all going to be faced with challenges. We're all going to come up against obstacles, but these things are going to be there for your good. They're going to help to develop capacities and qualities and talents that you may not have even knew that you had. And I know this for certain. And I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for you being here right now on this planet at a time that we really do need you the most. And so for me, confidence is more a result than some arbitrary quality. It's a result of things. The more that you do things, the more confident that you become in doing them. It's a natural cycle of things. And so this is the time to, to engage with life, engage with new things, build the confidence by doing. But also it's remembering that this doesn't mean that you won't be nervous. This doesn't mean that you won't have fears. Confidence is developed in doing those things anyways, because we're all going to feel the tensions. We're all going to feel the, the nervousness of the, the newness of the situation that we're in right now. But developing confidence means that you're going to have a foundation that you're going to be able to stand on firmly and to be able to take action and to figure things out. I hope that you got a lot of value out of this episode today. And if you did, please share this out with your friends and family. And you can tag me on Instagram. I'm at Sean Model. And you can share on Twitter. I'm at Sean Model there as well. I pop in there from time to time. On Facebook, I'm at The Model Health Show. 
or you can send this directly from your favorite podcast app to your friends, family, and the people that you love to give them an infusion of confidence right now. I appreciate you so very much for tuning in. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.